So in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 29 and 30 uh, first, and it says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so uh, what's really interesting uh, as we approach, uh, you know, what it's talking about here and, and asking us when we look at this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, uh, you know, and, and the day and age we live in, uh, it's important for all of us to acknowledge and to understand that your words include more than what is just coming out of your mouth. So when we say, let your words, you need to understand and know that that includes uh, your tweet, that includes your post, uh, your share, uh, even your likes, uh, all are things uh, that are a representative of what is coming out of your mouth, because that's how people are receiving it. I was just, uh, the other day, I was, I was reading um, a, a pastor, a very prominent pastor, who was putting out um, a well, he, essentially, he was asking for forgiveness uh, for a while back, liking someone, on, liking something on one of the social media platforms, and he liked it, and he was uh, asking for forgiveness because uh, what he liked doesn't reflect his values or beliefs. And so he was asking uh, for forgiveness from all of uh, his congregation and, and to people in the community. He was asking for that. And, and what that really reminded me of is the different day and age that we live in where what he liked, people are thinking that's your belief and uh, that's something that, that you would say. So in other words, there's no detachment from that like from what came out from what comes out of his mouth. And so when we think about uh, our words and the power of our speech and when it when it says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Uh, it is more in this day and age. Uh, it is more than what is just coming out of your mouth. And so that's important. People are receiving the things that you're either posting, you're liking, you're sharing. They're receiving that as your words. Paul tells the Christians here to bid farewell to corrupting talk. He says, get rid of it. Because the mouth and the heart are connected. That's something really important for us to know. Your mouth and your heart, they're connected. They're not disconnected. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus is, is talking to the Pharisees who have literally said, you're only able to cast out demons because you're, because you're operating in the power of a demon. And, and he says this in Matthew 12, 34, you brought of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of the abundance of your heart, that's what then comes out of your mouths. So how we talk should be transformed along with everything else. As we've been talking about this new, this new uh, life, this new nature that we have in Christ, um, our heart, our mouth, mouths should be transformed, which transforms our speech. It transforms the things that we put out there. The word for corrupting is used in the New Testament to refer to rotten fruit and rotten fish. In other words, it's that which is worthless, bad, or rotten. 
It shouldn't be happening because it's out of character. It's out of the character of our new nature. Okay, so, so when we think about corrupting talk, it's what is rotten. It, it, it's not nourishing. It's, it's not healthy. It's, it's bad. It, 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 we wouldn't taste it. We wouldn't get near it. And those are the things that, that should not be coming out of our, our mouths because they're not in alignment with our new nature. When we think about jokes that we may tell, profanity, abusive language, gossip, lying, unkind words, and and really every form of corrupt talk, that should not be coming out of our mouths as Jesus followers. It just shouldn't. And, and, and the thing that, that is very dangerous and very scary when we think about uh, what's coming out of our mouths and we, and, we, and we think about those things is we see through Scripture that the tongue is extremely difficult to control. In James chapter 3, uh, verses 6 through 8, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Ooh. Your tongue is a fire. And, and, and it literally says you can't tame it. You can't tame your tongue. And like I said, it's more than just you're like, oh, no, I'm really good about guarding what comes out of my mouth. But how about your fingers when you're typing stuff, when you're when you're scrolling through stuff? Uh, Is that in alignment with what you say you have control over your mouth? Because once again, remember what's coming out of your life. That is your voice. Okay, that is what people are hearing from you, whether it's coming out of your voice or something you put out there. And so uh, what it's saying, it is very, very hard to control your mouth. When you think about your tongue, the things that are coming out, that you're putting out, right? Because uh, when you think about the things that, that we will, uh, you know, feel strongly about, and it's not necessarily wrong uh, when we talk about feeling strong about anything. In fact, last week we saw that it's okay to be angry, right? We saw it's okay to be angry. Now he says, don't sin with that anger, but it's okay to be angry. In fact, there's a righteous anger. There's an anger you should have. When we talk about the tongue, I, I think sometimes... Uh, we think in, in, in Christianity that we just have to like literally look just like we have no opinion, no thoughts. We just have to smile and say we love each other and, and unity, unity, unity and all of that. But, but the reality is just like last week, he said you could be, you, you could be angry. Uh, when we think about uh, what comes out of our mouth, it's literally acknowledging this is extremely hard. You can't tame it and, and you need to be careful. You need to be careful that it's not corrupting, okay? Uh, So it's just setting these guidelines for us, understanding and knowing that we're human. Uh, When when you think about uh, your mouth and the power of of what's coming out of your mouth and what you're saying, uh, Satan wants to use that. You better believe it. Satan wants to use that, especially, uh, you know, the, the larger the platform you have, the more friends you have, the more people that are looking to you, the more people that know about your faith, Satan is going to try and get you to slip up. He's going to try and get you to say uh, something uh, that is going to tear down, that's going to be corrupt. And that's why we see this prayer from David in Psalms 141.3. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's a pretty good prayer request. I'll be honest. 
I need to be praying that request even more. Because, you know, I, I know I am as guilty as anybody as, as all of a sudden a thought and then a word, right? And it doesn't pass go. It just like literally just, it, it shoots out. It's quick. And you go, oh man, that's not right. That's corrupting. That's, that's, man, that's tearing down. I shouldn't be saying that. I've got no right to say that about that person. You know, and, and, and I think for a lot of us, that's, that's a struggle. And so what an important prayer request to just ask God, I pray that you would just guard my mouth. Guard what comes out. You know, essentially when you're praying that, that prayer, what are you asking? You're saying, guard my heart. Guard my heart. You know, Jesus says in, in Matthew 12, 36, at, at, on judgment day, we are going to give an account for every careless word that we've spoken. And, and when we think about our words, the way God cleanses out our speech and our words is through our heart being filled with his words, with his ways. And as you think about the words that you share, the words that you spread, and in the environments where you just uh, essentially let whatever you want out there and you put it out there, you need to just understand right now that your words have great power for good, but they also have great power for evil. Your words are impacting more people than you know. And that's something that you just need to know. Like there's so many times that I'll have a conversation with somebody and they're like, Steve, but, but, but that was just a conversation I had with them. And I'm like, well, more people heard than just them. Or when, when, when someone, uh, you know, essentially, if you put anything out there, whether you record it or whatever on social media, you just need to know that that audience, uh, it keeps going, right? It's not like, oh, that was just with them. Like, no, that's out there, you know? And so I think it's really important for us to understand that, that your words have the ability and they are impacting more people than you even know. And I say that one as an encouragement to you, but I also say it as a warning to you. In one sense, it's like, that's incredible. It's incredible that right now uh, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking this message to a camera essentially, and it's going out and meeting all these people in their homes. You are in your home or wherever you're watching. And, and what an incredible thought that, that we can have a reach like that. And, and so just as it's so incredible when we think of a positive message, the same thing can be said with a negative message. And so we have to be really uh, careful and understand and know that our words carry weight. They have great power with them. In addition to removing corrupt speech, we're to develop speech that's pure and pleasing to God. And Paul lists three characteristics of beneficial speech. Okay, he says, first, the words of a Christian are to be good for edification. Okay, they're, they're to be good for edification. That's really important for us to, to look at and know. We need to speak in such a way that builds up our hearers, not tears them down. Our speech should build up. It should, uh, it should build up people by being helpful. Uh, it should be constructive, not de-constructive uh, uh, you know, to people. It should be encouraging and, and uplifting. 
and I want to be clear too with this, like this can happen even in disagreement and confrontation. When you have a disagreement and you go about it in a healthy way, you can walk away feeling edified. Okay, uh, so so it's not saying you can't have a disagreement. Uh, it, it, you know, it's it's not saying that you shouldn't confront wrong or this or that or something else in another believer that you see or hear. No, you can have that, and that can turn into a very edifying, constructive conversation. Man, I. I I'll tell you what, I've had conversations with people where I'm like, listen, I need to talk to you. I see this or I heard that. And, 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 and it, it, it was great. I've had people along my journey come up and say, hey, you said this. Da, 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 da. And I, it was a great conversation. It was so empowering and it actually was constructive. Like I didn't feel like, oh, you're just ripping me apart and tearing me down. No, we were able to, in confrontation, in disagreement, have constructive conversation and it was edifying. And I think that's really important for you to know because like, you know, when we think of how Jesus uh, spoke and modeled, like Jesus was pure and yet he also confronted, right? He also uh, dealt with disagreements. He, you know, it, you're a hypocrite, things like that. He would say it. And so you just need to understand and know that it's not saying that everything you say, you just have to be like this. No, <laughs> you have the space uh, that you need, one, to deal with what happens in life. The question is, well, how I deal with that, these people, this person, uh, this situation, maybe it's a relationship, will I deal with it? Will the words I say help edify the situation? Will it help build up, even if it's confrontational, or is it something that I'm going in there and I'm just going to rip it down? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear down the relationship I have with them. Second, everything we say should be appropriate according to the need of the moment. This is huge. What we say should be fitting for the situation so that it constructively contributes to all. We should never unnecessarily mention things that might harm or discourage someone else because sometimes we will say unnecessary things to take a jab at somebody right let's just be honest sometimes there's things that we will say and it's it's unnecessary I don't need to say it but I'll say it because I know so-and-so's in the room I know so-and-so's watching this I know so-and-so's gonna see this and so I'm gonna say it and 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 yes you may have every right to say it uh, but it may be something that you don't need to say and your agenda is actually to jab at somebody you know some things though they may be absolutely true and not bad are better left unsaid. You were wrong. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> Those are all things, you know, that, that we will say, you know, you were wrong. When I'm wrong in something, most of the time I'm like, man, I was wrong. You know, and so, yes, someone may say, Steve, you were wrong. But, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I need to be shown I was wrong. But other times you're saying you're wrong because you want to say you're wrong, right? Or, 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 or you want to like blame, right? It's your fault. It may be that person's fault. But do you need to tell them that? Do you need to literally say, hey, it's your fault? 
okay, that this happened. Uh, when a lot of times people are, are, are pretty self-aware when they've made a mistake and that. And so I think we need to, to really uh, understand and know that, that, that when, the, when something's unnecessary and it's, it's, it's honestly, if we're being honest, a jab at someone, we don't need to say that. Like that, that doesn't have business. That's not like, that's not constructive. It's not edifying by any means. Um, and, and, and we need to understand and know what is timely, right? We need to have an idea of what the temperature of the room is when we're going to say what we need to say. We need to know the temperature of culture. If we're going to put something out there for all these people, you should be culturally aware of what's happening. When you're going to have a conversation with someone, you should try and have an understanding where they're coming from when you have a conversation with them right? There should be a lot of listening and understanding. And so whenever you're going to speak, put something out there, have a difficult conversation, uh, you just need to know what the temperature is uh, in, in the space, in the environment, in our culture, uh, so that you're able to communicate in a way that is clear, that, that is constructive. You know, Proverbs 25, 11, it says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Proverbs 15, 23 says, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. So important. That rightly timed word in that right moment and, and, and how that's blessed and encouraged us when other people have said those things to us. And the, and the only way you know when that moment is, when those times are, or when to stay away from saying certain things is when you're really listening to those around you, when you're paying attention to the temperature in the room, in the culture. Uh, I, I've shared this before, but when I first came up here uh, to Eugene, and, and, and part of my main job when I first came here was to, to speak uh, to the college at U of O on campus, and, and at that time we met on Thursdays. Now we meet on Tuesdays. But I remember when I first uh, w was on campus, and I hadn't been on campus, who knows how many years since I'd been even on a on a college campus. I no idea. And and so when I went on to the college campus, uh, one of the things that that I had to do was just learn. And I had to sit there. I had to listen to people talk. I had to learn about what was important. What were they discussing? What were the strong opinions that were out there? And what are things uh, that I could say? And what are the things that I should stay away from uh, when I think about reaching people? When I, when I, when I think about uh, trying to connect with them. And, it, and it's just so funny. I remember uh, we, one of our awesome leaders uh, for college at that time, she would like be right there next to me and, 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 and help coach me. She'd say, you could say this, don't say that. Uh, or I would say something and she'd be like, she'd look at me and go, Steve, you can't say that. And I'd be like, why can't I say that? And she goes, well, that actually means this. And I went, oh my goodness. But I didn't know. And so I had to learn. I had to listen. I had to get a temperature of, of, of how college days young adults were communicating, what, what things meant to them and all of that. And it was so important. And, and I think that's such an important principle to take for us when we think about if you're intentional with your speech and it's important to you, don't you want uh, it to connect with your audience? 
Don't you want uh, the person that's listening to you to receive it, to respond to it? Don't you, don't you want to have that healthy engagement? And for you to do that, you've got to listen and, and, and be aware of the important things that are happening in that person's life, in our world, in your setting, uh, in your area. Those are all critical things when we think about being able to, to speak uh, in a way that's constructive. Third, what we say should be gracious bringing grace to those who hear. You know, we, we, we read earlier in Ephesians, speaking the truth in love. See, we've been saved in grace. We're kept in grace. Therefore, we're to live and to speak in grace. Just as grace characterizes uh, God, it should also characterize his children, uh, Jesus' followers, right? Graciousness even characterized what Jesus said during his ministry. In Luke chapter four, verse 22, it says, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? So they're listening to Jesus talk and they marveled, it says, what at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. When you look at Colossians 4, 6, it says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So there should be graciousness in how I speak, how I connect, how I interact with people. I should have graciousness with my, with my sons. I should have graciousness with my wife. I should have graciousness with my coworkers. I should have graciousness uh, uh, with, with people that I interact with, 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 with just people that, that I, that I you know, bump into and, and, and see and, and all of that. I should be thinking about that. That should be on my mind. And when we think about salt, salt is a preservative and it helps to delay spoilage. It brings flavor. So the gracious words of Jesus' followers it helps to preserve uh, against the moral and spiritual decline that we know is happening, that we're seeing unfold. And so it's so important that, that we're able to speak into it with a gracious voice. Our graciousness reflects Christ who uses that grace to draw others to himself. This grace that we speak with, it provides strength when other people hear it. It comforts them where they're at. It's so important that we ask, how am I speaking in a gracious way to the people in my life, the people that God has placed around me? Paul adds, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. See, all sin is painful to God, but sin in his children it breaks his heart. You know, parents know just a little of this feeling, right? With, with, with their children at home when they fight uh, each other. I know as, as, a, as a parent that it just, oh, it hurts when I see my boys just start fighting with each other. And, and it's discouraging, it's disappointing, and, and you're, you're analyzing it, and you're like, why? Why are you making this such a big deal over this? And, 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 and share, and, and, and all this, and, and, and how they're talking to each other, and, and you, you're separating, and, and, and it's just sad because you care and you love them so much, and they're yours, and, and, and just, I, I look at that situation, and it's just a small, uh, little insignificant, I would say, uh, little 
you know, window into how God operates and how he sees us. And it breaks his heart when his children refuse to change the ways of their old life for the ways of the new. He grieves over it. We see the personhood of the Holy Spirit here because, see, the Holy Spirit can be tested, resisted, insulted, lied to, dishonored, and even blasphemed. And when, when you think about anything inconsistent with the Holy Spirit's nature, that, and we, whenever we live that out or we act that out or we speak that, it grieves him. And, and not only does it grieve him, when we start to operate in that uh, as our new norm, uh, it leads to a withdrawal of the influence of his power in our lives. He doesn't leave us, but you lose out on that power, on that influence that he can have. We see in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, do not quench the spirit. Okay, so, so literally you, by how you position your life, by how you listen, by how you receive, by how you speak, you are either uh, helping the channel uh, with you and the Holy Spirit to work, to hear, uh, to understand, to be empowered, or by how you're living, by how you're acting, by what you're saying, you are saying, no, thank you. I've got this. This is my time. And that grieves him. It grieves him. Why does it grieve him? Well, like, what, what do we learn about the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit to us? Well, he, he's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our teacher. He's our advocate. He's the divine resident of our hearts. And he is the guarantee of eternal redemption. He is that sign. He is that seal. And, and so when you think about all these things that we'll carelessly do, we'll act out this person or that situation or, 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 or this, and then we'll, we'll spew all this hate at that person or at that situation and this, uh, and we'll get into this conflict with this other person and we're just tearing them down, ripping them apart. And, and, and it's like, how in the world can you do all these things that you know grieve him and after understanding and knowing all he's done for you. How in the world can you continue to grieve him? How in the world does that not bother you right now? That he's grieving. He's done so much for us. He's done so much for you. How in the world can we get to that point where that doesn't bother me? And I want us to just ask this question. Will what I'm about to say or do, please, or grieve the Holy Spirit? What a great question to ask. Let's walk by the Spirit, but let's also talk by the Spirit, eagerly maintaining the unity of the Spirit. Because remember, He provides the unity. Our job is to help maintain it. Verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So Paul says we must put off these resentful attitudes. And, and I mean, he lists the big ones here. We've got bitterness, right? Bitterness reflects a burning resentment, a fixed hostility that just poisons us. Uh, when, when you have bitterness in you, it is so dangerous. I plead with people to deal with the things in their life so that there is not a root of bitterness. Because uh, when you think of bitterness, like somebody does something that we don't like, and, and instead of dealing with it or doing anything productive with it, we hold on to it. We harbor it. Uh, we, we hold this, this ill will towards that person and we just hang on and it just builds and it just builds and we are angry, but even more than angry, we are bitter. We are 
bitter towards them. He says, put that away. Talks about anger and festering anger. Anger is a more internal, simmering, a, a subtle and deep feeling. But, but we talked last week, you know, there's, there's an anger that's not pleasing to him. And, and, and I think that, that that anger, he's saying, man, you need to pay attention. You need to know that that's there. That, that, that shouldn't be a part of you. Because it just progresses. We see wrath. Wrath is the angry outburst on the outside of the feelings on the inside, right? So those feelings that are on the inside are now being projected on the outside. You no longer, that bitterness, uh, you thought you had it under control. You thought you were okay. But now, no, 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 no. You see that person. They said something. Uh, they looked at you a certain way or whatever. And now you just go off. Wrath. And not, I disagree with you, but literally, I want to hurt you. I want to take from you. Clamor, it says. Clamor is the shouts of public outbursts that literally reveal like a loss of control. It's like screaming and yelling and, and that. And, 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 and you see some of that. We, he says slander. Slander is the ongoing bad-mouthing of someone that rises up, once again, from a bitter heart. Okay? You know, like, like some of us, we continually badmouth a particular person. We just continually badmouth them. Like all the time. Um, maybe it's, it's a friend that, well, you don't say they're a friend anymore. Maybe it's a past, a person that you were in a relationship before. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a sibling. And, and you just continue to badmouth them. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a you know, coworker, what, a teammate, uh, whatever. Like, like we think about slander and, and how that's a real thing. He says, no, stop. Stop. That's not in alignment with your new nature, even if it's true. Malice, we see malice, this term that is really the general term for evil. That's the root of all of these. It's the desire essentially to do evil. That's what malice is. It's literally, it's a desire to do evil. And if not checked, our inner sins will inevitably lead to the outward sins. Because remember, as we said, what comes out of your mouth is ultimately a reflection of what's in your heart. And all of these, he says, you must put away. You have to get rid of that out of your life. These are the sins that break and destroy relationships and distort the church's testimony to the world. Man, some of you, you have held on uh, to situations between you and and friends, and, and maybe some family members, and you know what? Maybe you were wronged. Maybe you were. Maybe they said something they shouldn't have. Um, maybe it didn't work out how you thought. Maybe it was a job situation, school situation, or a roommate situation. You think of those things that, that can happen, but, but where you're at today, and the fact that many of us still look at that person or that situation in the exact same way, what does that reveal? That, that, that doesn't say anything about them. What that really exposes is what's wrong with me. Because if I'm still choosing to hold on to bitterness towards a person, like, like that's me choosing to hold on to it. And, and, and some, of, some of us, man, we're still angry from something years ago, and we're as angry like it just happened yesterday still. 
Like, what are you doing? That's not in alignment with our new nature. In fact, that's, that's not in alignment with everything we read in Scripture. And that's not in alignment with the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Like, that, that has no business continuing to linger. That has no business continuing to build up in you. That bitterness, uh, that, 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 that desire for wrath, that anger that's not righteous, um, and, and all of that. That has no business continuing to be in you. And I'm telling you right now, if that is still in you, it is directing your decisions. It's directing your mouth. It is not the fruit of the Spirit guiding and directing you. It's that. Because you may uh, go, no, I got it under control and all that, but it is still there. It's still there. It's still pulling at the strings. And, and what's so dangerous is the enemy, once again, he wants to lead you uh, to wrath. He wants to lead you to that clamor. He wants, he, wa- he wants an explosion. He wants to ruin you publicly. He wants to ruin your marriage. He wants to ruin you to your kids. He wants to ruin you with your siblings, all that. Like, that's his goal. Like He doesn't like trick us. He, he says, that, I want to wreck you. <laughs> I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. It's important. These are the things that destroy relationships. Verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So Paul addresses the basic cause of a bitter attitude. And what is it? He says, we cannot forgive people. He comes back to this reality that we were unable to forgive people. If somebody hurts us either deliberately or unintentionally and we don't forgive them, that's when we begin to develop bitterness within, which ultimately leads to what I was just talking about, which is a hardened heart. It's a hardened heart. We should be tenderhearted and kind, it says. But instead, many of us were hard-hearted and were bitter. And so we're to put on kindness. We're to put on forgiveness. When you think about the clothing, we're to wear these virtues, right? Like like these are your everyday clothes. We don't, we try not to wear the same thing every day. Let me tell you, (laughs) this kindness and forgiveness, he's like, you put that on every day. (laughs) These are virtues of the new nature. This is how you live out. This is how you deal with other people. We should be known for kindness and forgiveness based on the depth of God's kindness and forgiveness that he's shown us because remember God did not uh, God didn't love us choose us and redeem us because we were deserving right like like we didn't deserve it he did that because he is gracious see Romans 2 4 Romans 2 4 it says or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Like, like literally, um, his kindness brings us to repentance. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us, okay? So his kindness that he's demonstrated towards us, it has brought us to a point where we want to receive uh, repentance. And uh, not only did he display that gracious, that, that kindness to us, but it was still while we were sinners. It was still while we were not desiring reconciliation with him. It was while we were still on the attack against him. It was when we wanted nothing to do with him. We were saying things about him. We were denying him all these things, still enemies, and yet he still went the extra mile and extended graciousness. And that same grace brings repentance. Titus 3, 4, and 5 reminds us 
He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, it says. What an important reality as we think about dealing with other people that we don't think deserve our forgiveness. And then you go, wait a second, wait a second. This relationship with Jesus is incredible. The Holy Spirit in my life, I, it's, it's amazing. What makes it so amazing is that continual reminder that I didn't deserve or earn this. He extended grace to me, a sinner, a broken individual. And he asks in return for us to do the same as his kids. In Psalm 145, 8, it says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. God is kind and forgiving, and we're to imitate him. If he can forgive us, then there's nothing for which we should not forgive another person. You know, should there be consequences for actions? Yeah. There should. There's consequences for actions. There are things. It's not saying that there shouldn't be consequences. Like, if, if, you know, he's not literally like you need to understand, like. There's consequences and and by me choosing to forgive or be gracious with someone is not saying that what they did is OK. In fact, and it's not condoning, it's not endorsing what they did. And it's not, if it's a relationship and they did something very harmful in that, forgiveness does not mean, like if I'm dating somebody and they do this thing that totally destroys all of this, forgiveness, me forgiving them doesn't mean I'm like, oh, I want to get back into a relationship with you. Like, like that's not what it means, okay? I think sometimes we're like, I'm not going to forgive them. They haven't asked for it or they don't deserve it or, or, or I don't want them to think I'm okay with that. That's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness has nothing to do with them deserving it or earning your forgiveness. Forgiveness is sacrificial love. It's something that God did for us and he calls us to now to forgive and to love and to bring grace to other people. And he reminds us, you didn't deserve or earn that and I still extend it to you. And now I'm gonna ask you to do the same. And ultimately forgiveness is never about that other person. It is ultimately a revealing thing that shows where you're at because Forgiveness is releasing something that you have been holding on to. And many times the people that you're most mad at, they don't even know you're mad. And so you've got to release that. Release it. Release that offense versus holding on to it. Jesus taught us to dwell on how he forgave our infinite debt and then to be quick to forgive others when they sin against us. Luke 6, 36, be merciful even as your father is merciful. You know, one of the most graphic uh, illustrations for this just forgiveness here is uh, in the parable in Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses 21 through 35. And, and, and in this parable, Peter asks Jesus, how many times uh, am I to forgive uh, these people? And, and, and as he's asking about the limits of forgiveness to Jesus, uh, Jesus tells him a story of a man who approaches uh, the creditor or, or the king who, who, who this man had this incredible, insurmountable debt that he owed this king. And uh, this, this picture that we see here, this story is a picture of salvation because the king ends up 
forgiving the debt uh, of, uh, of, of this, 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 um, this servant. Uh, he forgives that debt so that literally that servant's debt, he, like, like he's okay, uh, he's been uh, accepted, the debt has been wiped away. And, and in that story, that same servant that's received that, uh, another servant owed him a small amount of money. And when he asks for it for, from that servant and the servant doesn't have it, he has him thrown in jail. And, and, and so what this, this parable really speaks to is, is, is one, the massive uh, all-encompassing forgiveness that God offers us because we're that first servant there. But then it also shows us the disparity of that servant's actions as we think about what he received and then the atrocity uh, in how he dealt with the other servant. And what that really shows us and reveals to us is how we are so excited to receive God's forgiveness and yet so often we do not want to extend it or give it out. And God is like, that is not of me. That's got no business in this new nature. You receive in order that you can give. You receive so that you can model and reflect that. And when people experience that kind of forgiveness, that kind of grace, that kind of mercy, guess what they do? They go, hey, I want to know more about Jesus because I can't believe that, that you would treat me like this way. Man, not to forgive is to not rightly understand or appreciate Jesus' forgiveness. Can we who have been forgiven so much not forgive what's been done against us? You know, there's a lot of people out there preaching forgiveness, but not themselves offering it. And I pray that that's not you. I pray that, I pray against that for myself because we need to be a people, those of us that are Jesus followers, we need to be a people that should be eager to forgive. We should look to forgive because it, it presents an opportunity to reflect the forgiveness that we've experienced. What an exciting thing to be able to pass on, to give to somebody. You know, when we think about that and trying to, and to, to, to pursue that, why in the world do we still hold on to some of the biggest grudges towards people? Why? When we think of his kindness, his love, and his forgiveness. And that's why I want to challenge you with this. It talks about putting on and taking off. You're going you're gonna to need to make a daily decision to put on. What does he say in verse 32? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. And he's going to say, you need to put that on every day. Every day you need to put that on. When he thinks about uh, guarding your mouth, guarding what comes out, that corrupting thing, we looked at last week and, and anger and all these things, like, like all these things that the enemy's gonna try and use for evil. And God says, no, 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 but do this. This is a better way. This is my way. And you're gonna have to make a conscious decision every morning to go, I'm gonna put on uh, the, the lifestyle today. I'm gonna put on the clothing that represents my savior. And I'm gonna reflect and model him by what I say, by what I do and people are going to know that I have a relationship with him. Amen. God bless you guys. Let's pray.